what would you think of him? Like if that were a Clippers player on a given night? It's kind of a bizarre line. This is a player who takes a lot, a lot of shots. Made an okay percentage, but not great. That's Steve Ballmer. And he's trying to figure out a mystery involving a couple of subjects that he knows a lot about. Basketball and numbers. Gets the free throw line a lot, which is awesome. Basically doesn't rebound the ball much at all. One rebound in the whole darn game. Whoa, who's that person? Now, you probably know Steve as the former Microsoft CEO. And if you've been listening to Numbers Geek, you know he's the founder of USA Facts. That's the nonprofit civic data initiative that's GeekWire's partner on this podcast. But he also has another big job. He's the owner of the L.A. Clippers, the NBA team. Let's go, Clips! Let's go get aboard! And Steve is just as focused on numbers in that role as he is in everything else that he does. I get the stats. In fact, I usually look at them live on my phone during the middle of the game. So how does this numbers geek turned NBA owner analyze the stats from a game? And what can we learn from how he does? Those are two of the questions that we'll answer on this episode of the show. But we've also got a surprise twist. We've got a mystery to solve. We've given Steve multiple pages of statistics from a specific legendary NBA game. But the stats we've given him are missing some very important details. We've removed all references to the teams and the players. Basically, we've taken away any indication of which game this actually is or who played in it. And we're challenging Steve Ballmer and you as listeners to Numbers Geek to see if you can figure out, based solely on the numbers, which legendary NBA game this was. Even if you don't love basketball, I promise you're going to learn a lot on this episode from hearing how Steve looks at numbers to understand what's happening on the court. And plus, who doesn't love a mystery? From GeekWire and USA Facts, this is Numbers Geek. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. On every episode, we explore some of the most interesting and important numbers in the world, from business and politics to technology and, this week, sports. Stay with us for a special episode, The Basketball Box Score Mystery. How often do you look at the box scores for the prior night's game? Uh, that's an easy number, Todd. 100% of the time do I look at the box scores. So you look at box scores for the clips every morning, and what are the main takeaways? Every that, night, but that's okay. Every night, like not even the next morning. You wait. You you That night, you go and see what that evening's not game Not true. Was. After every quarter... I get the stats. In fact, I usually look at them live on my phone during the middle of the game. <laughs> what are you looking for in the box score? I'm looking at how many minutes people have played. I'm looking at whether people are doing what they usually do statistically, thinking, through, ah, this guy's got a lot of rebounds, doesn't have a lot of rebounds, what a point looks like, what do assists look like, How it feels like this guy's been turning the ball over a lot, have they been turning the ball over a lot. I'll look at that on my phone all the time. Then I'll look at the summary. I get a sheet if I want it at the end of every quarter. 
at, at halftime, certainly, they give me the sheet that the coaches are looking at. And then at the end of the game, I'll go read the, you know, on my phone, I'll take a look at the final box score. If you go to the ESPN app, there's sort of the box score and there's the expanded box score. So if you want to see breakouts of uh, additional things, you can. I probably look at sheets that have dozens of numbers on it. And if you want to, you can look at hundreds of numbers. Yes, indeed you can. And in fact, I have one of those sheets for you right here, Steve. Awesome, Todd. So I want you to take a look at this box score and it has multiple pages here. The first is just the overall box score. And the second is the breakdown by team. And what we've done on this box score is remove all references to the teams themselves and on the subsequent pages, any references to the players themselves. So you cannot tell just by looking at this, which teams, which game, and which players this was. Walk us through how you look at a box score. Well, this is more than a box score here. This is more, this has some of the advanced analytics on it. Yes. I'm just going to tell you. So you have four quarters of scores in the total. That's box score-ish. You don't have, maybe on the next page we'll see something, but then you have some of the advanced analytics. How fast was the game played? What was the effective field goal percentage? You gave me four quarters worth of scores for both teams, and then you gave me some, I'll call them advanced analytics. How, how Pace, how fast was the game played, effective field goal percentage, turnover uh, percentage, offensive rebounding percentage. Then you have something I have no clue what it is. Free throws divided by field goals attempted. Uh, I've never seen that. Uh, I have to think about it, or I've never paid attention to it. And then you have offensive rating, which is a sort of a normalization of what's going on offensively. So I take a look at this, and I say this is a game that was played relatively slowly. One of these teams is mar- far more turnover-prone, but is also a great offensive rebounding team, Uh and probably net-net is less offensive directly and yet uh, more skilled in some other ways. Let's break that down. So what indicates the pace of the game to you? Well, I first look at the, the score of the game, 87-86, which probably means the game is played relatively slowly. That is, we have a 24-second clock. The teams probably both use more of the 24-second clock. Then you see a number called pace, which I don't remember what the heck pace is, but I think it's the total number... Uh, the average number of possessions per something, um, and I don't remember, but it does look like a low number to me. And I'm not expert in that number, I will tell you. Uh, and then one team clearly is much more turnover prone than the other. So team one had a turnover percentage of 10.7%, and team two had a turnover percentage of 15.7%. Correct. How does that compare to what you might see in the typical night in the NBA today? Well, I'd say a typical <laughs> a typical game, a team might make 10 to 15 turnovers unless they're screwing up or excellent. Let's say 10 to 15 turnovers. Let's say that's on 80 possessions in a game. Uh, that would give you a turnover rate of about 12.5%. One's lower, one's higher. So team two, again, much higher in terms of their turn- turnover percentage. But also much better offensive rebounders. 37% uh, offensive rebounding percentage compared to 179 for team number one. Team one, remember, won this game, 87-86. Just for the bottom, bottom, bottom line, you can make me look at all this stuff. I want to be uh, team one right now, not team two. The first page here is the breakdown of the box score stats for the players on 
team won, which, as you said, is the team that won the game 87 to 86. If this were the Clippers, how would you break this down? And by the way, this is not the Clippers. We are going to have you try and figure out which it is, but it's not the Clippers. How would you break this down? Well, first thing I would look at is the fact that somebody played 44 minutes, another guy played 42 minutes, and player 10 nonetheless played four minutes. I'm trying to think through, was this a playoff game? If it's a playoff game, you're not going to see players 9 and 10 generally playing this many minutes. It's a lot. On the other hand, if player 1's playing 44 minutes, it means it probably is a playoff a playoff game. I do notice the team total is 240 minutes. That's an important number. That means there was no overtime because it's 48 minutes times time times five players. That gets you to 240. Uh, that's interesting to me. Uh, team number one that I'm looking at hardly shoots any three-pointers, 10 three-pointers in a game. That's not the Houston Rockets. That's for darn sure. Uh, player number one uh, drives to the basket quite a lot. He shot 15 free throws. Um There aren't many guys who get 45 points in a game, so player number one is a pretty unusual guy in the NBA. What do you think of player number one? Are they a good player or not? What are you talking about? When you look at player number one's line, what would you think of him, like if that were a Clippers player on a given night? It's kind of a bizarre... It's kind of a bizarre line. This is a player who takes a lot, a lot of shots. 35 uh, made an okay percentage, but not great. Gets to the free throw line a lot, which is awesome. Basically doesn't rebound the ball much at all. One rebound in the whole darn game? Whoa, who's that person? That's very rare. Even It's a great player, but still only had one rebound. Ironic. Decent defensive player with four steals uh, and handles the ball well. So that's what I would think of player one. I'd say, hey, that's a pretty good player, but I understand... You know, my guess is this is somebody, and they only have one assist. So let me just give you an example. This is probably not Steph Curry because they only have one assist. Normally, I'd say it's probably not LeBron James. There's only one assist and one rebound. I'm thinking, who scores like this? Who scores like this but has this few rebounds and assists and gets to the free throw line like this? I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. Okay, that's good. Now, I will tell you, I'll give you a clue. This was a playoff game. Right. And I said yes. 44 minutes for player one implies it probably was. Player 10 playing four minutes, that is unusual in a playoff game. In fact, there were a lot of unusual things about this game. We'll dive deeper into our basketball box score mystery after this break. Welcome back to Numbers Geek. Before we return to Steve Ballmer and our basketball box score mystery, let's hear from a few others in the world of basketball about the numbers most important to them. First up, Stephen A. Smith, the TV personality and ESPN NBA analyst and commentator. I bumped into him before the Clippers home opener this year at Staples Center in Los Angeles. Field goal percentage shooting. Why is that? Um, efficiency. 
it tells me, it gives me an indication. It doesn't tell a whole story, of course. There's a multitude of things that go into it. But ultimately, if I'm looking at your field goal percentage and you were efficient in that regard, it usually gives an indication of how you played. If you shot 25 or 30% from the field, it could be because the other team plays stout defense or because you just stink. But I'm going to find out one way or another because if that's a consistent mode that you're following, it's going to tell me something about you. Another thing is turnovers, of course, and stuff like that. How much time you get to the free throw line, those kind of things, rebounding. also. All of those things are very important. But for me, a strong indication is field goal percentage shooting. Next up, Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr. He's a former NBA player himself, and he spoke with my GeekWire colleague Taylor Soper before a preseason NBA game this year. When I get the stat sheet at the end of every game, I look at three numbers. I look at our assists, our turnovers, and then our defensive field goal percentage allowed. And uh, those three numbers usually tell me whether we won or not. And finally, WNBA legend Sue Bird of the Seattle Storm. She had some interesting observations about stats during an appearance at our GeekWire Sports Tech Summit. I think if you were to erase the woman's name in front of a stat sheet and I presented you something that was pretty impressive, you know, maybe that stat, and then I showed you that it was a woman, maybe that stat would kind of have taken you to another place in your mind. And then the fact that it was a woman, you'd be like, oh, cool. Versus if you saw it was a woman, you're probably like, oh, whatever, those stats don't matter. They're going against other women or something. I don't know. You know, it's true. Many NBA players can only aspire to have a stat line like Sue Bird does. In her 16th season this past year, as she helped to lead the Storm to their third WNBA championship, her field goal percentage was more than 46%. That would rank her among the top NBA point guards in the current season. I'm also happy to report that we've confirmed Sue Bird as a guest for a future episode of Numbers Geek. So be sure to subscribe to hear the episode featuring Sue later on in the season. But for now, let's get back to our mystery at hand with Steve Ballmer, our resident numbers geek and the L.A. Clippers owner. He's trying to identify a specific NBA game, a legendary matchup, without knowing the names of the players or the teams. Now, I did help him with a hint. The fact that one key player from team number one, as we're calling it, was injured during this game. That helped to explain one of the unusual patterns that Steve had noticed. Ah. And so that could, that could impact the rest of the playing time, yeah. for example, for, yeah. players eight, for players 9 and 10, as yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that adds a lot of value to my analysis. Because in the playoffs, you'll generally play 7, 8 guys max, and this played 9 or 10. I get it. Uh, and player 5, who played 14 minutes, must be one of these guys who starts the game and then you pull them out uh, pretty early. Uh, probably player six is a replacement for player five uh, because player six has eight rebounds, more likely to be a center, uh, foul trouble, a little foul trouble for six and five, so I assume they're both rim protectors. Okay. Let's look briefly at, at team two. They, they lost the game, as we noted, but do any particular player lines stand out for you on this page, team two? Okay, now you have, a, you have a person who rebounds like crazy, makes assists like crazy, scores like crazy, and gets the foul line like crazy and plays lots of minutes. So this That's is, LeBron James, I would assume. It is not LeBron James. In okay. fact, this is pre-LeBron. Okay, that's pre-LeBron James. Yes, pre-LeBron. So player you're going to give me an era? Because uh, you're eventually going to ask me to say who the heck's playing in this game. Yeah, yeah, era. I mean, era, I mean if you tell me it's in the 60s, I, I would have to rack my brain. If you tell me it's in the 80s or 90s or 2000s, 
Okay, I'll take a, sh- a cut at it. Let me just say, you were probably using Windows 98 at this point uh, in this game. Okay, all right, I got <laughs> you, it. So you, we were late 90s, early 2000s. Late 90s, early 2000s means Kobe came out. Uh, Kobe would be in the league probably when this came out. Uh, who else would have been hot in the league? Shaq was in the league at the time. It's a playoff game. Okay, I have some hints. Okay, so tell, tell us about player one. Player one on team two? Yes. 11 of 19 uh, from the floor. That means the player shoots a lot, but really scores a lot, probably plays inside. He does play inside because he had zero uh, three-pointers against zero attempts. So this is more like a center uh, or some big who plays close to the basket. Uh, They also had a lot of free-throw attempts close to the basket. They had a lot of rebounds close to the basket. But... This person had seven assists. Seven assists playing close to the basket. Let me look at one thing here. God, who the heck would this be? Plays close to the basket, makes a lot of assists, and live. It was playing around the year 2000. And I'll give you the exact year. It was 1998. 1998. Okay, so who would... who would this be? I assume you gave me a finals game, uh, likely. So I'm going to guess. Let me just guess who player one is. Player one on team two must be, it's either got to be Shaq, Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Those are my two guesses on that. Shaq and Carl Malone. And I don't remember who they played, but if I go to team one, I'm going to guess... It's the final games. No, no, this can't be the final game. This is maybe the Western Conference Finals. No, this is the this is the NBA championship. Okay, so let me think. It's an Eastern Conference team, late '90s, where somebody's got very high utilization. So it's one of the scorers of the late '90s. Who the hell would this be? We actually have audio from the game, ready to play whenever you're ready to give up. <laughs> give me a minute. Give me, just give me another minute. Who would the, Utah got beat? Who in the East won a championship back then? Celtics weren't in it at the time. It's not the Sixers. It's not the Knicks. Why is my brain so soft? 1998. Oh, it's the Bulls. Stupid. Yeah, it's the Bulls. So who's player one on team one? Player one's got to be Jordan. All right, it's win or lose. Game six for the Bulls. And with it, of course, the championship. Michael against Russell. 12 seconds. 11. 10. Jordan a drive, hangs, fires, yes! scores! He scores! The ball tipped away, Chicago is world champions once more! Who knows what will unfold in the next several months, but that may have been the last shot Michael Jordan will ever take in the NBA. That's right, this was no ordinary game and no ordinary NBA championship. It was game six of the 1998 NBA Finals. The Chicago Bulls beat the Utah Jazz 87-86. to Player one on Team 1, the player with what Steve called the bizarre line of 45 points and only one rebound, that was Michael Jordan. It was the NBA legend's last game as a Bull. Now, if you were watching at the time, you might remember that game-winning shot. Jordan may or may not have pushed off with his left hand to create the space he needed to nail that game-winning jumper. It's known as either the push-off or the last shot, depending on your perspective and which team you were rooting for. 
Brian Russell slips, and Michael pulls up and buries the shot to give him a one-point lead. Watch Jordan's left hand here as he gives Russell the push. The referee can't see that. Jordan frees himself up for a clean look. The greatest thing about Jordan is he has all the tricks. That's why it's so difficult to guard him. Now, Bulls small forward Scottie Pippen, that was the player who was injured early on, aggravating a back injury and requiring the Bulls to play more reserves than normal for an NBA championship. Now, on the Jazz, which we called Team 2, legendary center Carl Malone was the player who went 11 for 19 from the floor. And here's a fun coincidence. Steve Kerr, the current Golden State Warriors coach, who we heard from earlier in the show, he was on that championship Bulls team. Now, he did not score any points in this game, but his excitement at winning the championship was captured in the aftermath on the live national TV broadcast. You lose by this narrow margin, speaking of the Utah Jazz, there are so many things to look back on. Would you recommend to the basketball fan out there that they get to know a box score, that they really understand the game through those numbers? If you're a basketball fan... You should be able to read both simple box score. You shouldn't be able to. If you want to have fun, you could read simple and complicated. Now, the truth of the matter is there are plenty of basketball fans who read box scores and statistics and everything far more intensely than I do. Yeah. And at least in basketball and sports, any fan knows this business as well as any owner. What's it like owning an NBA team? It's a lot of fun. It uh, requires some brain power. It requires some energy. It requires some enthusiasm. It has all those things. It feeds the notion of thinking about hard problems. It feeds passion and energy. It feeds getting to know interesting, new, good people. Uh, I love it. How much do numbers play into your understanding of the team, the game, your role as owner? I'm going to give it to you straight from the man himself, Mr. Jerry West. Basketball legend, the logo, consultant to the Clippers. He would tell you from uh, roster management picking players, don't look too hard at the numbers. And from a game planning strategy, what to do, the numbers are helpful. But if you're really going to try to say, is Charlie a better basketball player than Harry? The numbers don't really tell you as much as, as most people, a lot of people would say. What does tell you that? You watch them play, baby. You watch them play. You talk to their coaches. There's so many other ways to learn. Again, video don't lie. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. All right, so we've solved our box score mystery. But before we go, it's time for me to settle my own score with Steve. Back in 2016, on stage at the GeekWire Sports Tech Summit, I asked Steve about the most important numbers, key performance indicators, or KPIs to use the business lingo, that he tracks as an NBA owner. And let's just say that he didn't think it was the best question that he'd ever heard. What are your KPIs in your new role as an NBA owner? What, what are the numbers that you pay most attention to? What is the most important KPI? Wins. Okay, that, that's so easy. Thank you all very much. Let's go home. It's been a pleasure talking today.
I've simmered about that moment for years because you were totally wrong. I was wrong? Yes, you were totally wrong. Todd, tell me what I you could say the most important number is championships. That's right. The, like, the most important number how is How many champi- ships do you win? <laughs> exactly. It's championships. Come on. I was withered after that moment. So I'm, I'm giving it back to you right now. You're the man, baby. You're the man. Well, good luck to you and the Clippers. I hope you make LeBron realize that he went to the wrong L.A. team. There you go. <laughs> I hope so, too. All right. I feel a lot better now. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Numbers Geek. Later on on this season, we'll feature another mystery document challenging Steve to figure out the identity of a company based solely on its somewhat unusual financial results. We'll also return to the basketball court, going courtside with Steve and exploring the numbers behind one NBA game to understand how the sport is changing. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Numbers Geek, looking at some of the key numbers behind one of the most significant topics in the country right now. To catch every episode, be sure to subscribe to Numbers Geek in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review to let other people know what you think. It really does help other people find out about the show. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Numbers Geek graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. Jim Valley edited this episode. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, plus charts and citations for the numbers that we discuss, go to geekwire.com slash numbersgeek. Also check out interactive graphics, annual reports, and more U.S. government data at usafacts.org. I'm Todd Bishop. See you next time on Numbers Geek. Numbers Geek.